You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melissa Richard, and I... <laughs> Really excited for the oppor- thanks. I'm <laughs> really excited for the opportunity to introduce our chapel speaker this morning, Jeannie Banter. Jeannie, a proud member of the Steadfast Class of 2006, graduated from Asbury with a BA in missions. And upon graduation, Jeannie served in the Democratic Republic of Congo and Uganda before returning to the States for grad school. She currently serves on the Board of Directors for World Gospel Mission, and currently she serves as the director of the Christian Life Project overseeing set apart retreats. She lives in Wilmore, but makes numerous trips to Georgia to see family, especially her niece and nephews. She's a mom to Sadie, a four-year-old chocolate lab. (laughs) And just um, being able to be with her has been such a wonderful thing. I've been able to attend some of these set-apart retreats, and it's just really awesome to witness firsthand how humbly she leads. And just all her leadership and servantship is just so to the core, showing that she loves Jesus truly. Um, I love her authenticity and her hospitality, and there's just so many more awesome things that I could say about her. So thank you, Jeannie, for the impact that you've had on me and on this campus. So everyone, please welcome Jeannie to the stage. Well, good morning, everybody. It is such a joy and an honor to be a part of Set Apart Week, not just because I get to lead Set Apart retreats, but because this is God's beautiful invitation to us to live a distinguished life with Him sharing His character in us. And I know there's some professors here when I was a student who would think, you're the one speaking? This <laughs> is true. But here's the beautiful thing. Like, this is a testimony of what God can do in someone's life. The power of his redemptive work in me is available to you today. So this has been fun. Thank you to Greg and Sarah and the team for this invitation. It is incredibly fun to be able to do this with John Reinheimer. John and I and the Coppages and his wife, Erica, we served together in Uganda right after graduation. And we have a picture Some of us have changed a little bit more than others, but that's 2008. So to be able to be back here together doing ministry is just fun. Um, So it is important who your friends are and how you run together after Jesus, and I'm grateful for my friends. A couple of years ago, 1997, I began writing a journal. I was in seventh and eighth grade. I recently refound this journal not too long ago. And my friends, it does not disappoint. It is everything that you would think 13-year-old Jeannie Banter, who's dramatic, a little boy crazy, and a little angsty, would write. If you're having a bad day, just stop by my office. I will share some of my journal entries with you, and you will no longer be having a bad day. Um, I have read them and laughed so hard I've cried. My niece is in seventh grade this year, and I read them to her, and she was crying. She was laughing so hard. It's... It's bad, but I want to share one of those journal entries with you this morning, and I'll try to make it through without laughing. My greatest fears would be failing at anything. My greatest joy is succeeding. If you'll notice, succeeding is spelled wrong. (laughs) Like, I'm so close to not failing, and then I can't even spell succeeding right. (laughs) I would say that my spelling has gotten better, but I'm sorry it has not. And I laugh about this. We've, I've cried laughing about this. But there's also a part of it that kind of like hits me in the gut. Because as a 13-year-old kid, I was already so aware 
of my inability to be perfect. I was already so afraid, like grippling afraid, that I wrote it in my journal, like, I don't want to fail at anything. At anything. And yet, four or five words later, I already failed. And I wonder, looking back at my life, how much did I miss out on? Because I was so afraid to fail that I didn't even try. And I've talked to you all, I've heard your stories, and I don't think I'm alone in this fear of failing. And I wonder if that's not how some of us feel this morning when we're thinking about a set-apart life, a distinguished life, a holy life. Like, come on. Like, I, I am so aware of my inability to do any of that that I don't even want to try or get started because I'm too afraid that I'm going to fail. I know that's where I lived my life for a lot of years. Just wanting that so bad, and yet so aware of my own imperfection. I remember sitting in chapels much like you and, and getting angry and kind of resentful when people would talk about this good life. And they would share, um, especially verses like John 10.10, 10, like where Jesus is saying to his disciples, like, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Some translations say abundant life. Full, abundant, like, that's not my experience. Like, the Jeannie Banter version of that would say, Jesus has come for you to live exhausted, tired, overwhelmed, defeated. Definitely not full and abundant. Like, I didn't, have, I didn't even have categories for that kind of living. And what I didn't have categories for, I didn't believe was actually possible. And not only was it not possible, but it certainly was not possible for me. And I think the enemy has done a lot of work there, in that place. Not just in my life, but my guess is in, in our life. Like this invitation to a full life, an abundant life, even a holy life, isn't for people like us. Like if I were to ask you right now, like name someone who you think is holy, you look at me like you're doing right now, like with a blank stare, like holy? Us? No. Like, eventually you might say, like, your grandparents or the person who volunteers at the soup kitchen, you know, maybe Mother Teresa. But my guess is when you thought about that person, it wasn't yourself. Because surely this holy life, this abundant life, this full life is just for, like, the saints of the world, not college students just trying to survive on the third week of classes. You see, what we don't have categories for, we often don't believe is possible. And not only do we not believe it's possible, we don't believe it's possible for us. And some of you might even be having a, like a visceral reaction to the fact that I just said you might be able to be holy. Like, no, no, that's only God, that's only these people. But might I suggest that it's actually possible for you? And not just later or some other day, but for you. You see, Greg opened up on Monday reading from both the Old and the New Testament in Leviticus 19 and then again in 1 Peter, where, where God says, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. And I don't know if you ever project yourself into what you read. Probably not. It's just me. But when I read that verse growing up, I read it with this tone. Be holy because I'm holy. 
right? Like, you have to do this. Not like an invitational command of God saying, hey, I want you to be holy because that's who I am. And I want you to experience and know who I am. I want to share my life with you, and my life is self-giving, holy love. And I want you to experience that. I want you to be filled with that, and I want that to overflow out of you. That's much different than be holy because I'm holy. And if Dr. Oswald has helped a lot of my thinking around holiness, and if he's given us this invitational command, then he must have given us a way to actually live that out. He doesn't just say, be holy for I'm holy, and then go figure it out. That's kind of how we usually live. But he must have provided provision for that to actually be possible. And today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're like me and my church, for whatever different reasons, we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit very much. And if we did, it was only on Pentecost, and kind of we had parameters around how we did and didn't talk about it. I took a a healing class over at the seminary with Dr. Steve Siemens. Yes, Dr. Siemens is amazing. And he said, oftentimes in Christian circles, we talk about the Holy Spirit as like the wild, reckless uncle of the Trinity. Now think about that. (laughs) We all have that one person in our family, some of us have more, but that you kind of want around, but you really aren't sure what's going to happen when they are around, but you want them like at the main events because they they have the best stories. But you know when they start talking or they start doing something, like you have no control over what's about to happen, right? Like you have that person and you're probably thinking about them right now. But think about that, what we've done with the Holy Spirit as we think about it in that way. Like, Holy Spirit, come, but come when we want you. Come when it's convenient. Please don't make us get out of control. But like sprinkle some good stories about miracles because that keeps us going. Right? Like, we don't have a good theology and understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, and that has disconnected us from the power to actually live out this life. I think about it like this. I love my phone. Now, there's a lot of cons to phones, but, like, I don't go anywhere without my phone. My guess is you probably don't either. And when I don't have my phone, I panic, right? Like, How would I ever know how to get home from Asbury to my house in the 1.5 miles that it is if I don't have my phone? Like I, like the moment like my phone hits 50%, like I am finding a charger. I have them at my house, I have them at cars. Like, and if I have bought a thousand chargers along the way because I don't want to be without power. Like I'll drive on E for two weeks, but if my phone gets 50%, I'm finding, like I'm powering up. Because as good as my phone is, it only works if it's connected power, if it's been charged up with power. My friends, we're the same way. Like, the only way that we can live this Christian life, the only way that we can be holy as he is holy, is to stay connected to the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive in us. You see, connection to the Holy Spirit isn't trying harder. It's not doing better. It's not behavior modification. Life in the Spirit is power and might. You see, I can't do enough good acts of service to live a full life. I've tried. I can't good behavior and white-knuckle my way into abundant living. I've tried. I can't clean up my act enough to be holy. I've tried. 
Life in the spirit is not striving, it's not trying, it's not doing better or doing more. It's not perfectionism. It's connection to our source of life. Steve Deneff last semester did a powerful sermon from Ezekiel chapter 36 on God giving us a new heart and a new operating system. Now, I'm not Steve Deneff, and I will never be Steve Deneff, but I want to look back at those verses that Jesse read this morning. And those verses are important to me because every time I get a new Bible, those are the first verses I go to. And I underline them. And in every Bible that I own, you'll find in the, in the margin the words, my testimony. My testimony, because those verses are exactly what God did for me. He sprinkled clean water on me and cleansed me when I cannot clean myself up. He changed my heart, desires, and appetites and, and led me away from my idols and impurities. He took my heart of stone that was angry and bitter and resentful and unforgiving and put a heart of flesh in me. And he gave me his spirit. He put his spirit in me to move him to share in his life with him. So let's look at these verses again. God's saying, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Thinking about those verses, never once did it say, hey, you need to do this. Make yourself better, do better, try harder, clean, clean up yourself. No, it says, I will. God's saying, I will. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. This holy life is not about you doing anything, but responding to the grace that has already been given to you by your loving Father to even respond to Him. Like, this is not about you, but what God will and can do in you. I want to focus today on, on God saying, I will put my spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you. I love that it, again, it's not me. It's not you doing anything, but God giving. And we know that when, our, when he gives us the spirit, we, we see in Acts chapter 1, comes power, comes power to live the victorious life, the good, full, abundant, holy life, is a power that comes when he puts his spirit in you. If you look at those verses, it says, I will put my spirit in you and move you. And what does the spirit move us to do? To follow his decrees and be careful to keep his laws. And I know some of you are like, yep, there it is, rule following, I knew it was coming. Yes, but hang on. Why did God give us the law and decrees? It wasn't so much about what we could and couldn't do, which is how some of us were given holiness, or some of us received holiness. No, he gave us his laws and decrees to teach us who he is, to reveal to us his character. I mean, think about it. There's so many rules and decrees about honoring one another respecting one another, bringing, bringing dignity to one another. Why? Because he loves us. He wants us to love as he has loved us. 
So I'm going to show you and I'm going to teach you because as, I, as, you, as the Spirit moves you, you're going to know a little bit more about who I am. There's, there's laws and decrees about caring for creation, not just like trees and plants, but one another. Why? Because he's a creator God and he cares about his creation. He cares how we steward one another and the things that he's given us in the world. There's decrees and laws about what happens when something's been done unjustly to someone. Why? Because God is a just God. So when it says, I will move you, it's not about do this, do this, do this. It's like, I want to reveal to you my character. And as I reveal to you my character, my spirit will share in that character with you. So that as you get up and as you walk this out, the Holy Spirit is alive and active in you. And guess what? The character of God is the character in you, and that's what the world gets to see. Not Jeannie, not my good acts, not my love, but His. His. So my spirit will move you. I took a seminary class on biblical holiness, and I loved it. My professor, Dr. Chris Lorstorfer, said something simple yet profound. The Holy Spirit's role is to make you holy. Wow. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. The Holy Spirit's role in your life is to do the work of purifying you, cleansing you, showing God's character to you, revealing that character, and then empowering you to live it out. Again, this isn't striving. This isn't trying. If that's been your view of holiness, again, let me give you a different category. Category of holiness is Christ in you. We sing it in the song, Lord, I need you. Holiness is Christ in me. It's Christ sharing his life in me, me being empowered to the Holy, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit moving me. I could even move myself, the Holy Spirit moving me to reveal the character of God to me so that the character and nature of God can live through me. That's it. That's the good life. And I know in this room, we, being Christians, church, whoever you want to fill in that we with, we have not always represented holiness well to you. I'm sorry. And I know that some in this room have been hurt by people doing holy things. I'm sorry. But don't let the misrepresentation and the hurt that has come keep you from walking in the invitation that God has for you to the good, full, abundant, holy life. This is not something that you have to wait for. It's not something that you have to, like, make happen. I will put my spirit in you. No more trying, no more try striving, no more perfection, but surrendering to the grace that has already been given to you to respond to what he wants to do in you. <laughs> That's good news. This literally keeps me up at night because I want to choose this for you. Like, I want so bad for you to realize and experience the goodness that God has for you. Because I've been on this side, wanting so bad for it to be true, but believing that I was the only exception. And my friends, if you're hearing that today, you're not the exception. You're not the exception. God's invitation is to each one of us today. To the good, full, abundant, holy life.
that only comes as we stay connected to the Holy Spirit and He empowers us to live this out. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're tired. You've tried so hard to be perfect. You've been so scared of even walking in holiness because you are so aware of your own imperfections. My friends, the invitation to you is what we sang this morning, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Maybe you're, the enemy has reminded you of just how unclean you are. And you want God to sprinkle clean water on you, but you're not sure if that's possible or that he can actually do it for you. My friends, don't believe the lie of the enemy And hear the invitation to you, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Maybe you have a hard heart like I did, and you're angry, and you're bitter, and you're cynical. Maybe at the church, maybe at Asbury, I don't know. But the invitation to you today, again, is Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And maybe you're, maybe you're just scared. What does a life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit look like? You don't have to figure that out. He will move you. Lay down your fear. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Dr. Shell is going to come, and we're going to sing that a couple of different times. And actually, I want us to remain seated. And as the Spirit moves you, and you need to respond in one of those ways, I just invite you to stand up. Spirit of the living God, this is my prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Maybe you need to come to the altar, bring your friend. There's, there's us up here that would love to pray with you. But don't miss the invitation that he has for you. You're not the exception. You're not on the outside. But Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Fall afresh on us today.